Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and the radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can catch at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa weekdays, 11 to noon. The Talking Tide podcast available at our web host, Podbean.com. Also, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. The Talking Tide Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. You can keep up with all the pod drops there. And, Travis, we bring in an Iron Bowl preview week here. Uh, Thanksgiving week, a holiday week. Uh, all the best to you and your family, for sure, for the uh, Turkey Day forthcoming. And uh, we're going to break down this Iron Bowl from top to bottom, talk a little bit about the CFP picture, as we typically do as well, and and uh, just kind of kick it around. We actually began re- uh previewing the Iron Bowl a little bit with the Sunday Nighter, if you heard that a few nights ago. But uh, the game set, Travis, 2.30 p.m. at Jordan-Hare Stadium on the plains of Auburn. Auburn. Auburn, as Patrick Fangdai would say. Auburn. Yes. They, uh, yeah. they get together, and it's been – it's been an up-and-down season for Gus Malzahn. How much – let's start there. How much heat do you see on Gus Malzahn to win this football game at home? You know, lose this one, go 8-4 and four with a team that there were pretty high expectations for. And just even a few weeks ago, this was a top-10 team. But have a Georgia-Alabama one-two punch fizzle for a second straight year – and the checkbook, Chase, gets a little bit easier to open. Sometimes that checkbook, you know, it, it's like Velcro together. You can't quite open it. But, you know, if you lose four in a row combined to Georgia and Alabama and you're the head coach at Auburn, uh, that checkbook gets a little bit easier maybe to crack open. Now, if you win the game, you know, there, there's absolutely no talk of that monstrative buyout uh, that, that Gus has. And, you know, you saunter to a Florida Bowl at nine and three. Maybe you win ten games and everything's status quo going into twenty twenty, right? Boys will bust out that WD forty on the hinges of that checkbook. <laughs> sometime. They'll bust out that WD forty on you. And get it, get it ready to go, right? With a little red, with a little red straw, so they can really get in there. You know, you get in those crick creaks and crevices of that checkbook. Sometimes you got to get in there good. Accuracy, you know, always important uh-huh. with, with uh, the OLI. The Alabama team on the other side, obviously a disappointing, looking back over the course of the season, obviously a dissing, disappointing loss to LSU that's kind of knocked Alabama off of its championship axis here toward the end of the season. And looking back, Travis, an offense that rolled once again for the second straight year, really um, historically dominant. I, I think you've got to put the Alabama offense of the last two seasons uh, in spite of the fact that there hadn't been a, a national championship in play, certainly last year they lost it to Clemson at the very end. This year doesn't look like they've got a great chance to jump back in. Maybe they do. We'll see. Uh, but this offense under Tonga Valoa has been mid-90s Spurrier-like. I think that's fair to say. I, th- I think they've dominated defenses in much the same way. Uh, defensively, though, you, you got to look at this group, I think, and call it a- among the worst in the Saban era. Yeah, and there's reasons for it. We've documented. They're well-documented. We've talked about them a ton. You can go back to August and talk about Dylan Moses going out for the year, Josh McMillan going out for the year. LeBron Ray never really was himself on that defensive line coming off that foot surgery in the offseason. Um, so growing pains at multiple levels. And really, for me, sitting here at 11 games in, 
it, it really goes back to the front, though. And whereas you had absolute war daddies for about a five or six year stretch, Chase, and we talk so much about Quentin Williams and Deron Payne here most recently, but I mean, you still had guys like Jaron Reed. You still had guys like Ashawn Robinson. We were talking about this before practice on Tuesday, a couple of the guys. Dalvin Tomlinson on this defensive line, Chase, he'd be like an Outland Trophy candidate, you know, compared to what they have. They don't have a war daddy who can dominate up front like a Derrick Brown for Auburn, you know, make you focus on him so much and game plan on him so much that it frees up other guys. Uh, And essentially what they don't have is a guy that can beat blocks, you know. I mean, uh, I outlined this uh, on Bama Online on Monday. You know, just between Isaiah Bugs and Quentin Williams last year, Chase, just two guys, you got 33 tackles for loss from two guys. Alabama's entire defensive line through 11 games this season has 17 tackles for loss. The whole entire defensive line. So that, you know, that that kind of speaks to some of the issues Alabama's had for sure. No doubt. And a couple you put a couple of young linebackers that have kind of been thrown into the fire. Yeah, behind that. Right behind that and it it's uh it's it's a rep, recipe for problems, no question about it. Offensively though, my gosh, I saw uh uh stat, graphic, whatever you want to call it the other day that, that really popped my eyes open, Travis. Jerry, and I forget what, what the order was, but right now, still with, with some football left to play here, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and Devontae Smith ranked 2-3-4 all-time in receiving touchdowns at Alabama. I forget what the order was, but you're talking you're – talking, and look, I, I recognize that Alabama's been playing football for about 130 years, and for the vast majority of that, not a lot of footballs went in the air, if, if you really want to dig back into the record books and whatnot. But for three guys from the same signing class who entered school at the same time, played at the exact same time, maybe exiting all at the same time, for, for that group to get enough to eat, for lack of a better word to put it, to end up two, three, four on that list. Amari Cooper, by the way, number one. It's kind of mind-boggling, and it speaks to the production that Tua Tungavaloa delivered and essentially throwing for yeah. about four touchdowns a game for two years. Yeah, it, they're, they're two, three, and four. It goes Judy second, Ruggs third, Devontae Smith with his monster year this year. Uh, I believe checks in there fourth. No one's going to catch Amari, I don't think. Amari's sitting there at – at 31, I think Jerry Judy's at 25. I outlined this post game after Western Carolina uh, on BamaOnline.com myself. But yeah, I, it, and and here's what's even crazier about it: we're going to talk about this season, even with it being shortened for Tua Tagovailoa, and the dynamic abilities of these receivers. And none of these guys are up for individual awards as we get <laughs> as we get to the Heisman and we get to the college football award show that we're going to have coming up here. Alabama won't have a, a a finalist. You know, Alabama does not have a Fred Bolitnikoff Award finalist this year after Jerry Judy won it last year. That's crazy. Uh, you would yeah. have thought with the year – I mean, Judy's had somebody, – Somebody's got to be up there on the stage from Alabama, don't they? I mean, so. you, Devontae you, Smith, I mean, this year? It's almost like Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy canceled each other out this year. You know? Well, I was just getting ready to say that as good, as productive as they all have been, they're they're yeah. there's no question they're they're taking catches away from one another because if Alabama only had one of those three, yeah, 
they they'd be they'd be targeting that that guy like like Lane Kiffin would. And and Alabama's not the flavor of the month. It's those LSU Tigers. The LSU Tigers are essentially Alabama from a year ago in just about every way, Chase. In just about every way, when you talk about going into the SEC championship game, who was the odds-on Heisman favorite a year ago? Tua Tagovailoa. It's Joe Burrow this year. You've got guys like Jamar Chase. Who, and don't get me wrong; those guys have had uh, Justin Jefferson. They've had huge years. They're deserving of the recognition, but it's almost like, yeah, we've seen Alabama do this. We've seen these guys do this. So uh, uh, there may be some of that involved there too. I think for sure. Matchups. We'll talk about a couple of those really quickly, Travis. How about the Auburn defensive front versus the Alabama offensive line, primarily Derek Brown on the interior, Marlon Davidson at end for Auburn, a couple of outstanding talents. Uh, is this Alabama offensive line ready for what those two are going to bring? You would think that obviously Brown's going to be working inside more against the guards and center, uh, whereas Davidson maybe will work a little bit more on the tackles. But you see enough twists and stunts and things of that nature on this Auburn defensive front that, that everybody's going to get a piece of everybody eventually. Yeah, you're right. And you are going to see Derek Brown from guard to guard, um, You know, depending on the, the personnel that Auburn has on the field. Uh, you'll see him work against a Deontay Brown or an Evan Neal. But then I think in some pass rush situations, you're going to see Derrick Brown right on the nose of Landon Dickerson. Um, you, you know what you're going to get in Marlon Davidson. You'll see Nick Coe kick inside in some pass rush situations. He's primarily been that sort of hybrid outside linebacker uh, defensive end during his time at Auburn. But he'll move inside some. You'll see some of Tyrone Truesdell, a junior defensive tackle, more on early downs to go along with Derrick Brown. But there's no doubt about it. It starts with Derrick Brown. Uh, you look at his numbers, Chase, nine tackles for loss, four sacks. That doesn't really blow your hair back. It's certainly not along the lines of what we saw from Quinnen Williams a year ago. But you look at what Marlon Davidson's able to do. You look at what K.J. Britt, the inside linebacker, has been able to do. Um, there's no doubt. I mean, he, he makes life easier for everybody in that front seven and really everybody on that defense. How about the quarterback matchup? Bo Nix, Mac Jones, Bo Nix, yeah. a guy who's gotten a lot of experience as a freshman for Auburn. Hadn't impressed me especially much. I, I would imagine that, that Auburn fans have been hope had their fingers crossed for a little bit more, although you got to remember it is, it is a first-year starter. It is a freshman. It is, and he hasn't taken that noticeable next step, but you get a win – in this series as a true freshman, regardless of your stat line, uh, it, it's going to put you in a really good place moving forward, just like it would Gus Malzahn um, as the head coach. You know, the thing with, with both these guys uh, is going to be third down on Saturday and, and not just, uh, you know, how each team goes about trying to convert those opportunities, but how these quarterbacks handle themselves on possession plays, and especially if this game is tight late. What I've seen from Bo Nix this year, Chase, and you tell me, if it's third and medium, maybe even third and long, and especially if it's third and medium or third and long late in the game, Bo Nix trusts his feet more than he does his arm and his receivers. So uh, exactly, that's his check down. That's Bo Nix's check down, his, his legs. Uh, uh, you know, When it gets kind of, oh, brother, where art thou-ish? Damn, we're in a tight spot. That's what Bo Nix. 
likes to do. He likes to go with his feet. Now he's going to mature and he's going to become more comfortable with, you know, hanging in there and throwing the football. But his, his footwork is a passer, especially from the pocket, uh, not exceptional at this point. So if you're Alabama and you've been suspect to quarterback runs as it is, and some of that goes back to the inability to get off blocks up front, uh, you got to be hyper alert, I think, for Bo Nix from that standpoint. For Mac Jones, I think Kevin Steele and the, the Auburn defense is going to say early in the game, let's see if you can hit some throws down the field. They're not going to be as willing to give up the jet sweeps and the smoke screens and the things like that. I think they're going to think Auburn's actually going to come up and challenge these receivers and say, look, we know they're great, but we don't know anything about you and your ability in this type of setting to hit throws in the intermediate to deeper areas of the field. And I think it's going to be very important chase for, for Mac Jones to prove early and for Steve Sarkeesian to have the confidence in him early to try to make those plays. I think despite Mac Jones's limited experience, at least as a starter, uh, the Vegas man setting that line, Alabama by four at last check. I think the Vegas man puts the the check mark in the box for Jones over Knicks. And the, uh, if the if the Vegas man was doing a position matchups graphic for you, I think he'd put the check mark in the Mac Jones box at quarterback. Vegas man has a hard time. You know, big Al can play quarterback though for Alabama and people get that money down on Alabama. You know, I mean, the Vegas man just has a hard time in general getting people to go the other way in, in games involving Alabama. And that, but you're right. I think it opened at three. It's only gone up. So that tells you the early money, the early money chase is coming in on Alabama. We'll see what it does later in the week. The, the sharps, as they're called, I bet the sharps chase are waiting as much to see about Raquan Davis and DJ Dale as they are thinking about that quarterback matchup they they the the sharps get it when it comes to the line of scrimmage the joe public he usually doesn't get it as good when it comes to the big guys as one of my uncles used to say the big possum walks late i think a lot of times the big money walks late when it comes to these big rivalry football games you may see that line swing a lot more and he ain't blind the Uh. one that walks late vegas Uh, tickets. How about the ticket man uh, at last check here a few hours ago? And, the, and the, you know, the picture on the tickets can can change just like the line. It can change a lot uh-huh. sometimes in, a, in a, a relatively brief amount of time. At last check uh, this afternoon, tickets 150 for the cheapies, Travis, in that neighborhood anyway. And uh, about double that if you want uh, something between the 40s. Yeah, that lower bowl area, as we've talked about, that's what the Alabama fan wants. They want to be down there in that Kona, that Kona of the end zone, or, you know, just somewhere in the lower level in the Alabama section. You know, they like to sort of be in that vacuum together, almost like you're in a troop, you know, a a unit going into battle or something. You like to close the ranks and kind of be with your people. Um, looks like, a, looks you, like a game of risk or something. When yeah, you it does. There. <laughs> you know, the, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who ain't worried about Saturday is, uh, the StubHub ticket man. Cause did you see where the StubHub ticket man sold for $4 billion last no. week, Chase? No, that's right. No. eBay owned StubHub and sold StubHub Chase for $4 billion <laughs> with a B. So the StubHub man. The StubHub man is parts unknown for probably about three months, you know. I'll just take your shell cards <laughs> and whatever you got in the hole. No, that's John what he did. <laughs> Oh, brother. And whatever you got in the hole. And the hoe. Yeah. <laughs>
Exactly. Uh, he got it all. He got it all. That's unbelievable. Four billion dollars, Chase. Is it a five hundred dollar ticket by game day, Travis? Or you think it holds steady? No, no. And I think you got to consider weather here too, Chase. And uh, that projection for Saturday afternoon that doesn't look too promising. So um, no, I, I think it, it. You know, the the premium seats. Okay, you know, maybe you get closer to four, but I, I think you'll be able to find something lower bowl for for less than that. If if you can't, just you know, find a find a a tavern or something with a 60 inch and, and run up a healthy tab. You know, I, I don't know why you would do that at this point. That's why the boys only get five bucks sometimes for the Western yeah. Carolinas. That, that, yeah. that what you just right. described, but uh quick injury report, uh, Alabama, of course, banged up against Mississippi, uh, excuse me, against Western Carolina, I guess, and Mississippi state Henry Ruggs, DJ Dale, Raekwon Davis, I guess did not practice much last week. Uh, following the Mississippi State game leading into WCU is how I should put it. But this week heading into the Iron Bowl, all three of those guys back on the field, Travis, what is your sense as far as which of those may be furthest from 100%? Of the three defensive linemen that we didn't see against Western Carolina and Henry Ruggs, the third, based on through Tuesday's media viewing periods, I would say – DJ Dale has been the most limited on Monday and Tuesday. Raquan Davis and Fedarian Mathis uh, in those periods, they've been pretty much going. Um, both have ankles, it looks like, that they're dealing with. Uh, you know, for for DJ Dale, there, there hasn't been a whole lot going on, at least through the first couple of days. Uh, Henry Ruggs III looks good. I mean, he looked full go uh, as late as Tuesday's practice. So, you know, I think they're in pretty good shape with three of those four guys. Um, I, I would say Dale, though, it, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Wednesday, because we've talked about many times what Wednesday means usually uh, for guys and their availability on game day. You think Saban's got to be pleased with Davis's progress because at one point I think Saban mentioned uh, in a news conference that Davis was uh, the most concerning of that group. Yeah, and, and he's he's trying, man. You can tell that. This guy wants to be on the field for his final Iron Bowl. And again, based on Monday and Tuesday, I would say, barring a setback, uh, he's going to go. I think Federian Mathis will try to go as well. The problem with those big guys with those ankles, Chase, uh, is you know how much can they give you? you know, uh, How long can you go uh, on a run flat, essentially? I mean, I, when you're a defensive lineman and you're dealing – with an ankle injury at 300 pounds and you're counting on power and leverage and knee bend and all these things that tie right into those lower extremities, it's tough. So uh, the good news is I think that, you know, those guys, those two guys will, will probably be able to go to some extent. What you don't know, the great unknown is, is how long they'll be able to go. The Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you for a few more minutes. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly, starting with North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley. It's where you need to go to get your family's teeth taken care of. Conveniently located at 1100 Fairfax Park. It's right off of McFarland Boulevard. As you head toward Northport, you can make an appointment also at northriverdentist.com. 
You can make a call for an appointment as well. That phone number is 752-3506. Now, they do all kinds of work over there at Dr. Jack's Porcelain Veneers, Pediatric Dentistry, Teeth Whitening Services, dentures they can do it all for you and on a routine cleaning you're in and out of there typically in under an hour so check them out north river dental associates and dr jack smalley his group of professional dental hygienists will get you taken care of also want to thank session cocktails and spirits tuscaloosa's newest cocktail bar over at 2221 University Boulevard, located right beside that Children's Hands-On Museum, Hunter Wiggins and his staff of professional bartenders, they really get it done over there, make the same drink the same way every single time, and all of them are really tasty. Now they've got a deep list of signature cocktails, a happy hour menu, a wine menu, a domestic and craft beer menu, and a deep, deep menu of spirits, including Oh, I'd say about 20 whiskeys or so from all over the world. Uh, Just a super experience over there at Session Cocktails and Spirits. Funky atmosphere, fancy glassware, and stiff drinks. It's Session. You know, I had to pay an emergency visit to Dr. Jack on Tuesday morning. I had some front tooth bonding that uh, decided to uh, become uh, dislodged there. And I didn't want to look like Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) Uh, at Mama's house for Thanksgiving. You can't go to Mama's house with a chipped tooth on uh, Thanksgiving. So I make the call on Monday afternoon and say, look, I got this issue. Be here at 8 a.m., they tell me. By 8.30, I'm out the door, Chase, and that front grill is looking a lot better than it did before I walked into Dr. Jack Smalley and North River Dental Associates. So an extra shout-out to Dr. Jack and his outstanding staff. Customer service extraordinaire. Uh, there at North River Dental. I'm going to tell you about Brick and Spoon in downtown Tuscaloosa. A great place. Look, it's a busy enough week, right? I mean, you're going to have tons of family, tons of friends over. You may be even in charge of putting together that Thanksgiving Day spread. Well, don't put more stress on you than you need to. Get by Brick and Spoon. Treat yourself. Treat yourself to a great breakfast. Treat yourself to a great lunch. Have you tried that brick and spoon cheeseburger? Yeah, I know. There's a lot of cheeseburgers out there. But this is going to be a homemade patty that you're going to get. You're going to get your choice of Gouda cheese, pepper jack, Monterey jack, or cheddar. There's a house aioli that goes on that brick and spoon uh, cheeseburger. And it's going to knock your socks off. If you want something maybe a little more extravagant when it comes to your burger preferences. That bacon Cali burger, that's also a homemade patty. That's pecan smoked bacon. That's avocado pepper jack cheese with that house made aioli. Aioli. Yeah, there I go. There it is. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa at Timerson Square. Again, treat yourself on what's going to be a stressful enough week. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa at Timerson Square. Also going to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar right there in downtown Tuscaloosa as well. At Government Plaza in downtown Tuscaloosa, that's where you're going to find Heat Pizza Bar. was by there to cap off the weekend with the wife on Sunday night. They had the NFL games going. You had Cowboys, Patriots, uh, even a little bit of our awful Jags taking on the Tennessee Titans. Derrick Henry torching our Jags once again. They had all those games for you at Heat Pizza Bar. Once again, had the outstanding Thai chicken pizza, which on Tuesday nights you can get for just 7 bucks. That's the nightly special on Tuesdays at Thai Chicken Pizza. But so many great pies. 
uh, a great full bar for you, the craft beers, the craft cocktails. They got you covered there at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Talking Tide Podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We're going to take a quick look at the college football playoff uh, and the game's forthcoming of significance to Alabama. Travis, we touched on OU and Oklahoma State, I guess, in Colorado at Utah a little bit on the Sunday nighter a few days ago. Uh, So no need to dive into nuts and bolts on those two games, but I will ask you this now. There's a there's a there's a camp I I think of Alabama fans right now as things sit today who feel like all Alabama really needs is LSU to take care of business in the SEC championship game. Georgia's out, Alabama slides in, simple as that. And then you've got another camp that thinks Alabama needs two more games or three more games to break their way. Uh, which which side of that fence does does Travis Ryer stand on at this point? Squarely on the fence of that fence. How does that sound? Um, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised either way. Um, you know, first things first. Obviously, Alabama's got to survive a, a a huge test on the road Saturday with its backup quarterback uh, at the controls. So uh, we're, we're not putting the cart ahead of the horse. We understand that. But yes, assuming Alabama does get a win down on the plains, um, you know, I. It's still hard for me to envision Utah, even as a one-loss conference champ, getting in ahead of Alabama. Uh, Oregon losing didn't help Utah. You know, if you're Utah, you wanted Oregon to win on out right into that championship game for the Pac-12, and then you've got to match up with two top seven type teams, and that certainly looks a lot better on your resume. Um, you know, it, 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 it's kind of like who you played, who you've played is kind of who you are. And Alabama's suffering from some of that in its own right right now. Um, but I, I think Oklahoma, I, I've said all along that Oklahoma, to me, is the biggest danger to Alabama. And I know the selection committee hasn't exactly looked at Oklahoma with a, uh, a very uh, approving eye, I guess you could say. Um, but, but the OU brand, OU is a one-loss conference champ, OU is – got some recency bias working in its favor, having been a part of the college football playoff of late. I still think Oklahoma is the one team, if you're an Alabama fan, you you wouldn't mind seeing lose at all as soon as possible. Uh, but I do think, you know, brand and all that aside, I think Utah's a really good football team, man. And, and I felt this way even before the Oregon loss to Arizona State. You know, I, I kind of expect Utah to, to drop a hammer on Oregon and, and have a chance to really impress that selection committee. And even that loss to Southern Cal now uh, back a couple of months ago, Chase looks a lot better because SC's played better football of late. Finally, on this edition of the Talking Tide podcast, Travis, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, if you're going to be soaking in that Thanksgiving night egg bowl, that traditional sure. egg bowl on Thanksgiving. I usually don't miss a play. I've kind of gotten hooked on that Turkey Day egg bowl. Uh, and some years it's uh, not an exciting game at all nationally. And certainly this would qualify as one of those years. Uh, but you, you can always, you can usually count on uh, enough personal fouls to keep you awake. The turkey, the turkey can't put you to sleep as long as that 15 yarder keeps flying, right? Yeah, and really undervalued in terms of just good old-fashioned hate between these fan bases. 
You know, I mean, they get after it 365 too. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely be down for that. I mean, that's, that's a point in the evening where people have just about gone stir crazy from being in the you know house all day, eating, napping, eating, napping. And you sort of need that diversion, that distraction, uh, that, that caps Thanksgiving day. And, you know, Mississippi state Ole Miss, what it really is, is the redheaded stepchild of Texas, Texas A&M. When we used to have Texas, Texas A&M, we'd get it on Thanksgiving night, I believe at times. Well, since they no longer play, this is the redheaded stepchild. Now we get Ole Miss and Mississippi state and we love it. We'll take it. You know, that golden egg up for grabs and, might be the job status of the Mississippi State head coach, Joe Moorhead, if it doesn't go exceedingly well in Starkville Thanksgiving who, night. Who do you like in that one? I'm going to pick Ole Miss. I just think Ole Miss, not a not very fancy, but has more of a defined identity at this point in the season, Chase. I just I look at Mississippi State, and it just seems scattered, dysfunctional right now um, with that program and that team. And I think that John Rice Plumley, again, you know, Ole Miss is probably going to run three or four plays the whole damn game Thursday night, okay, with with John Rice Plumley and the running backs and the run game under Rich Rod. But Mississippi State's going to have to stop it. And so I just like where Ole Miss is at as a program right now. I like the coaching staff better. And I'm not talking so much about Matt Luke versus Joe Moorhead. I'm talking about at the coordinator levels. I like Rich Rodriguez as the offensive coordinator. I like Mike McIntyre as the defensive coordinator. I just, uh, I lean Ole Miss. What about you? I like Mississippi State. We'll see how it turns out. I think it'll be a, yeah. clo- I think it'll be a close one. Uh, but uh, always, usually, usually will Papio, will Papio Daniel, does Papio Daniel <laughs> hand the golden egg over? Make an appearance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I Fast communicate. <laughs> He'd appreciate it if you ate his farina <laughs> and voted him a second term. <laughs> Love it. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you for the Sunday nighter when we recap the Iron Bowl right here on Talking Tide.